The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. This week's episode is dedicated to being seen and heard. This is my interview with Jessica Cruel. The topic is the beauty of having a seat at the head of the table. In August of 2021, the publisher of a Condé Nast publication took a bold, new, and significant step. It announced that the editor-in-chief of Allure magazine is a creative and dynamic woman of color. It appointed Jessica Cruel as editor-in-chief of its 30-plus-year-old beauty Bible, Allure. Jessica began her tenure in September. As editor-in-chief, she multitasks as a multi-hyphenate. She leads the development of multi-platform editorial content for print, digital, and video platforms, including the Reader's Choice Awards and Best of Beauty Award franchises. She also consults on brand projects, including the Allure podcast, the Allure beauty box subscription, and the Allure store. Jessica is a beauty veteran, and she's not old. Her legacy, <laughs> her legacy to become a leader in the industry was established in high school. As a senior, she created a mini magazine called Onyx for Black teens. Fast forward to the past few years, her trajectory is still looking up and soaring. She has been at Allure Magazine since 2019, most recently as its content director and prior to that as its features director. Thus and there, she spearheaded the launch of the Melanin Edit, a new Allure platform exploring all things related to black beauty, skincare, and wellness. Yes, folks, not just black hair. A longtime beauty editor previously, she was deputy beauty director at Refinery29 and also worked at Self, Pop Sugar, and New York Magazine. What an illustrious career. So far, there's more to come. Jessica is a graduate of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill with degrees in multimedia journalism and sociology and currently resides in New Jersey. She joins me via StreamYard today on the Forever Fab podcast to discuss how she will use her platform to educate, diversify, include, and empower. Welcome, Jessica. Congratulations on all of your success, and thank you for becoming a beautiful member of the Forever Fab podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here, and man, like all that stuff you mentioned seems like just a flash in the pan compared to what we got coming. Unbelievable. I'm so excited to get into it. So let's get at it. <laughs> now, what did you dream of becoming when you were a child? Let's just go back to the beginning. Yeah. So I, people often ask me this question and I think 
they expect for me to say like astronaut or something, but mostly <laughs> I just had a vision of myself in an amazing two-piece suit, matching set, mm-hmm. heels, and looking out over New York City yes. from this huge skyscraper. And that was the dream. I, it didn't have like a title or anything like that. I just wanted to be fabulous. Yes. <laughs> and I wanted to be in the city. You know, growing up in a small town in Georgia, yes. I was like, I want to be in the city and live fabulous life and wear fly suits uh, <laughs> every day to work. Apparently that was important. Yes. Um, but I could have been a lawyer, I guess. Right. It could have been. <laughs> it could have been. been. Um, but I think I also enjoyed writing. And so eventually after a lot of, you know, career searching, I found magazine journalism and I just felt that that was that vision to a T. Yes. And it's kind of crazy because it comes full circle because I work in the World Trade Center now. Wow. And so we have a beautiful view of New York City. And Unbelievable. sometimes I have to pinch myself and say, well, you got yourself a fly suit and some heels and the great skyscraper. Yes, you did it. <laughs> yes, you did it. You You know how to manifest. I love that. Yes. Now, you grew up in Georgia. How did your upbringing um, influence or color, no pun intended, what you thought was possible in the world? You know, I grew up in a family of doctors. Uh, ah. <laughs> my There's a lot of people in the medical profession in my family. And so I was very fortunate that my grandfather and my mother and father always said I could do whatever I want. Yes. And... I actually think that's a story that they didn't necessarily have, you know, for them growing up as black people in the South, being doctors was like a big deal. You know, that was huge for them have graduated from college and then go on to medical school. It was a great legacy for them. And when I said I didn't want to be a doctor, Ah! (laughs) I know there, but there was, my dad was like, sure, you know, do what I do this so you could do whatever you want. And, you know, I really appreciate how open my family was to whatever I wanted to do. Now, when I told him I didn't want to work for the New York times and I wanted to work for a fashion magazine, that was a little bit different. He was like, I don't understand how you're going to make money. (laughs) You're going to move to New York without a job. I'm unclear. Um, But, you know, I told him how I thought beauty was just, very accessible to people. Mm. You know, it's something a lot of people understand. And, you know, even he brushes his teeth every day, twice a day. So that's right. There's beauty in that. And yeah. I think for me growing up as, you know, a young black girl, I didn't ever see myself, you know, on the big shows, you know, on fashion magazines. And so when I entered the industry, I thought there's opportunity here to tell more stories, more yeah. stories like mine need to be told. And yeah. so that experience, I think definitely, uh, like you said, colors the way that I approach beauty and the way that I've, the things that I've done in my career. Well, that resonates with me very, very deeply because like you in my field of plastic surgery, I didn't see anyone who looked like me either. And I think that the podcast is one of the ways that I help to amplify that story and the, and just that there's possibility that for sure, if I could do it, you know, anybody could do it. So thank you for that. And thank you for rising to the top (laughs) and and accepting the position. Now, while at Allure, because you've worked there 
previously, prior to mm -hmm. being editor-in-chief, did you ever imagine that you would rise to the top and be named editor-in-chief? I mean, how did you feel when the announcement was made? Did you know in advance that they tell you or was this like a big announcement to everyone? Well, I would that would have been an interesting thing if, you know, like, surprise, you're editor-in-chief now. I would be like, oh. <laughs> no, thank you. Really? Um, no, you no, did, no. Did you not feel ready? Well, I will say I, I did. I think everyone, when, when everyone has an opportunity that comes to them that they're not expecting, mm. right? You know, I was happily working with Michelle and she's such a great um mentor and a great she was a great boss and we were having such a great time and yeah. when she got that opportunity to go to Netflix which she's like you know which is a great opportunity for her yes I was like okay this is not my five-year plan um <laughs> I was planning to be editor-in-chief in like three years okay so you really just <laughs> yeah. throw me off here yeah um so I I think being editor-in-chief is a hard job and yeah. when you work at a magazine, you see the work that goes into it. And I think I'm a very much so like a perfectionist. I have a 10 year plan. I like to be prepared. And so it, it was on my plan. I yeah. think I definitely got to Allure and felt at home, you know, mm -hmm. having a job often, there are things that you're like just dragging through the day, trying to get through it. But I never felt that at Allure. I got to make some of my best work and to tell some amazing stories yeah. um, under Michelle's kind of tenure. And so when she left and I started thinking about if I was going to apply, I was nervous, but I also said like this now or never, you know, sometimes the door opens and you have to just jump through. Yeah. And you also yeah. were raised with the knowledge that you can do anything. And I think that's right. really important. Yeah, now, you have to, like they say, you have to go out on faith. And yep. uh, so that's what you just say. Something is, someone is guiding me in this direction. And so you just go for it. Go for it. Jump knowing that you're going to fall, but also knowing that there's a net. Mm -hmm. So hard to do. Now, I feel that recently there's been um, what I like to call an, an opening of opportunities. Um, that more people are aware of the lack of diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. across all industries. Now, in the beauty industry in particular, is representation of a diversity of women and men and people of color and transgender and essentially lots of people, is that representation long overdue? And if it is, do you think that the opening of opportunities is here to stay or is it a passing trend? Well, it can't be a passing trend. I, I don't think... Anyone after the year we've had would, yeah. in their right mind, yeah. <laughs> if they want to make money, <laughs> right, right, and uh, in this world, say that it's a or treat it like it's a passing phase. I think what we've seen this year is that more of us, more people who were cons formerly considered others, mm. are rising to positions of power, positions of influence, and that's just going to mean that this is going to be the status quo. You know, yeah. we're going to continue to uh, rise to positions where we tell our stories as the predominant narrative. And yes, it's long overdue. I think in beauty, it's been slowly happening. You know, the work that Allure has been doing before I got there, it's, you know, been building and slowly growing and expanding. It's, 
lens to include all different types of people. Um, this year, we kind of fast-tracked it, which yes. I think is important yeah. to note. But, you know, even as an chief unit, sometimes you have imposter syndrome, right? And you oh, say, yeah. Ooh. oh, yeah. You know, yeah. a little black girl from Georgia they gave this big old job to. <laughs> um, <laughs> Should I really be here? I, I yes. I feel right. you, sis. I do. But I then do. you say, for years and years, this industry has been a certain type of way. It's about time yeah. <laughs> that we shake things up. And yep. so I think that it makes it exciting. Yes. And everything, and I like to say everything in divine precision, whether mm -hmm. you feel that imposter syndrome or not, everything in divine precision, and you are exactly where you need to be. Yeah. So you've stated, and I quote, the need for realism has never been more acute than it is today. Explain. So I think when people think beauty, people often think of the vain portion of it, right? Mm -hmm. Of the mm -hmm. putting on of makeup, the hiding yeah. of scars, the hiding of imperfections, you know, you might go to the cosmetic surgeon to get Botox. I mean, I have, I got a little Botox, a little filler. <laughs> Did um, you love it? Did you love it? Ooh. 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 <laughs> when my filler settled, I was like, we are going to be together Hello. forever. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, people think so much about beauty as a, a covering. Yeah. Instead something of, that you put on or take away your, from something else in order to achieve it. Yes. Right. But, you know, I think we have to change that narrative and celebrate beauty in its real forms. You know, like recently we did a story about uh, those, a few women with bald heads mm -hmm. and there's multiple beauty stories there, right? Oh yeah. Some people want to wear wigs, you know, mm -hmm. that's their choice. The real is some women don't right. and they wear bald heads with pride. And right. I think that's the real showing people in Lore magazine with lines and scars and acne and bald heads and gap teeth. Like that's real. Yeah. And, and there's beauty in that realness. And there's beauty in that reality. And I think we really have to open the curtain, you know, like the Wizard of Oz, you know, <laughs> just yeah. reveal the guy behind the curtain and be truthful about all the forms of beauty and not just only try to show the, what some would consider aspirational, yeah, you know, beauty ideals. Like even, you know, Black women with perfectly coif 3C afros, like, no, let's yeah. show every variety of... Yeah you know, black women, you know, and Asian women and Latin, Latina women and men and drag and, yeah. you know, goth and people who do cosplay. There's just so much out there that's real and raw and still beautiful. And yeah. it's, it's the way that we express ourselves. That's right. I love that. You've also stated, and I quote, Allure, the beauty expert, will continue to be a source of scientific truth, a place to discover up-and-coming artists, a beauty aisle shopping guide, and an amplifier for cultural conversations. And, and I love the particular phrases that you use, scientific truth, up-and-coming artists, right? Beauty aisle shopping guide and amplifier of cultural conversations. You really have a brilliant way with words. So what is the strategy for accomplishing these things at Allure? 
which frankly should, it, you know, when you accomplish these things, it should serve as a guide for across all industries. So what is your strategy? Uh, we go one story at a time, <laughs> one, <laughs> one issue at a time. Uh, yeah, no, I think for me, I take each of those goals and I pass them along to my team. And we have to ask ourselves with everything we produce, are we hitting one or multiple of these goals? You know, and I think that we are. Yeah. And I think we have been for a very, very long time in a lot of ways. It's just sometimes coalescing around that as a mission uh, for our team. And, mm -hmm. you know, it starts with conversation. Yes, I think we sit down as a staff and we just talk. What are you into? What have you been hearing? Yeah. What, who are you following? And, and that's how we get to those tenants for our brand. Yeah. Now, who is on your team? You mentioned your team. Who is on this illustrious team of yours that's going to help you get stuff done? Oh, yeah. Uh, so we <laughs> have some shout team. outs. Yeah, we have a great team of beauty editors. Um, you know, Jenny Bailly has worked at Allure for some years now, and she is just, she's that one in beauty. Uh, you know, people, when you say her name in the industry, people are like, oh yes, Jenny. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm so uh, excited to work with her. And, you know, we have Sweeney Driscoll who helps us from a business uh, perspective. And um, we have um, tons of amazing writers who work with us every day, a great creative team who helps us put together all kinds of things. Natalie Kersheth is our creative director who helps create our amazing covers. Um, so we have tons of people, which is great. And yeah. they're all beauty experts, which is also great because yes. um, if you need an answer, there's someone on the team who can give it to you. I promise Perfect. that. Well, <laughs> shout out to a magnificent team. I, I anticipate a lot from all of you, but that's a great yeah. thing. <laughs> now, what was your motivation for spearheading the melanin edit? Was, was the idea initially met with enthusiasm or a little resistance or a combination of both? So I would say I feel very fortunate that the Melanet was received with great enthusiasm. Wonderful. And, um, <laughs> but, you know, I will say it's not the first time in my career that I've pitched something like that. And we're just now getting it done. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I felt that, you know, I was blessed that it was the right time. More and power to the perpetual pitch. <laughs> exactly. Right. Sometimes you got to, you know. Go back for a year or two and say, I'm going to dust this off and bring this back up later. <laughs> yeah. We'll put a pin in that. Um, but yeah, the Melanin Edit and the Lore was the right place for us to do it. And it was just thinking about how, you know, how could I get my reads, my friends to read more of a Lore? Mm -hmm. And I think building a place that was just for them yeah. was the way that I thought would be most well-received yeah. because you never want to appear as a magazine to be doing something just because, you know, Oh, everybody's been talking about that black lives matter. So, you know, yeah, that's, it's not about that. It's about, right. you know, creating a place that we're going to pour into continually regularly and have it be by, you know, our black editors on staff, you know, that are really, helping us power this conversation, editors and writers we love in the community, yeah. um, really putting their experiences on paper 
and having a place where we can say the real, yeah. you know, not having to water it down or explain it or any of that. And I think yeah. that's what the melanin edit is. So that gives a whole other meaning to the real, real. Yes. Not just fashion folks, but the real real in beauty is about the melanin edit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is your leadership style like these days and has it changed over the years? Because this is not your first time in a leadership position. Yeah. You know, being a leader, we have a pretty uh, large team. Uh, being a leader in this capacity, I think you have to learn to delegate. I think that's mm. the lesson I'm learning because, you know, I like to be hands-on yes. in the content writing and all of that stuff. And, you know, a lot of my teammates around me, you don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah. I'll, I'll leave now, I guess. <laughs> um, but I definitely would say my leadership style is, um, you know, I try to be as transparent as possible. Mm. And I like to roll up my sleeves and be side by side with my team. And like I said, I talk to them. Yeah. One of my first things that I thought was important that I do is do kind of a little listening tour. And even though I've worked with these people for two years and I've worked with the brand for two years, sitting down and talking to everyone and mm -hmm. hearing, hey, what do you love? What do you don't love? You know, what is what are your career goals? I think that's an important way to listen. Being a manager, most times, is just about listening. Okay. So now you've gone on this listening tour. You have a large team. You guys get together and you discuss what's on people's minds, what they've been seeing, what they're hearing, who they're following. So you have all of this information in a position of leadership and therefore, dare I say, as a role model. <laughs> so with all of that information, what would you say are your top three priorities to help bring about this new mission and vision at Allure? I think for me, the very first word that comes to mind when you ask that is like impact. Ooh, how can yes. we how can we change this industry for a better, for the better, even if our name isn't on it? You know, yeah. what is what we have great access at Allure. You know, we've get to sit in the back rooms with the people who make, you know, Dove and Pantene and, yes. you know, Maybelline. We, ha we have great access to those people. They're our partners. Yes. And so how can we sit in those rooms and say, hey, we think this is important to the world. Yeah. Let's get together and make a change. <laughs> Not to sound like a, you know, Michael Jackson. A presidential candidate. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, it starts today. <laughs> I don't think I would survive that type of responsibility. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> wink, wink. Okay. <laughs> you never um, know. <laughs> you never know. That is true. Uh, but I think impact is one of the things, like priority number one. You know, let's leave this industry. You know, when I leave this position as editor-in-chief, I want people to say, you know, she did some things that were crazy, but that, you know, she made a difference. You know, she really was pushing hard to get things done, yeah. um, whether they got done or not. You know, yeah. she ran her mouth and tried to do things at the very least. That's right. So um, that, yes, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that. So that's number one. Yeah. I was going to say, um, and I know this interrupts your, your flow because I asked you your top three, but then let's segue into my next question and you can 
bring in the other two, what legacy do you want to leave? I just want people to be able to open up Allure or go to our website or go to our store and feel like, oh man, they know me. Mm-hmm. They they understand me. I think about a, a story I got to do um, a few months back where we, during the pandemic, we photographed hairstylists and their kids. I saw that. I read it. I thought that was brilliant. And you know what? It was so heartfelt. I actually felt something after reading about all those women and their families. It was fantastic. And I felt looking at, you know, a father do his little girl's curly hair with the brush in the kitchen. It just felt like, dang, I'm, that's my experience. You know, that's how I grew up in the kitchen, in the living room, getting my hair braided, watching Lion King. And like to see that in the lore is to see myself. And I think I want that for so many people. I want, you know, people who like to do drag to open a magazine and be like, oh yeah, they got, you know, killer drag looks in the magazine or, you know, people who like to do cosplay or people who love anime to feel that some aspect of what they love, mm-hmm. how they use beauty to express themselves is there in the pages um, and not to be felt feeling like they're left out. So would you say that that's your second priority? Going back to the previous question, you said number one is impact. Would number two be um, to make Allure feel more personal or to um, have everyone be included? What would be your second priority? Yeah, I definitely think the word I like to use, which is probably overused at this point, is like community. I, yeah. I think building the and entering and displaying these micro communities, mm-hmm. um, these very loyal and very engaged group of people who you know congregate together. I, I want to give people a peek into those communities and also give those community, communities a platform. Yep. And then your third priority. So number three, I would say um, would have to be discovery. So discovery in the sense of there are so many amazing people in this industry. Right. Just people who are just so talented. Right. So I do, I open up my Instagram or open up, you know, proofs for the magazine. I'm like, they did that. Oh my goodness. I know. And so I think oftentimes those people are just in the shadows, you know, they're behind the celebrity, they're behind the model, they're, you know, on the back end of the camera. And I think for me, bringing those hairstylists, makeup artists, nail artists, stylists kind of to the forefront and asking them, what do you need? Yeah. How can we help? Yeah. What would make your business um, easier? How can your salon do better with Allure's help? You know, this year during the pandemic, local salons are the ones that got hit the hardest. Oh, yeah. And these small businesses are ones that, you know, that's where I first discovered beauty. Sitting in the hair salon on Saturday for about eight hours. Oh, my gosh. Can we? With my snack. And, (laughs) you know, like. You got your hair done there. You met people there. You ate there. You studied there. (laughs) I know. Like, under the dryer with my homework, like. Is it done yet? I know. Can I get out? It's too hot. Can I get out? It's too hot. My ears are burning. Universal love. 
I, exactly. So I just feel like um, wanting to really get in touch with that aspect, uh, these smaller professionals in small towns and even on a larger scale, like yeah. artists we work with all the time for the magazine and who we know and love and interview often, like how can we help them yeah. grow their profiles, their businesses and highlight their artistry in Allure? I, I, I so appreciate what you said because it, you know, through the podcast, I get to meet some incredible human beings, yourself included. Thank you for being here. But I've, I've just thought about in the past hundred plus episodes that, you know, I've recorded, I have met some fantabulous people that blow my mind, again, yourself included. So when I mentioned earlier, you know, when I thanked you for being a beautiful member of this Forever Fab community, I really, I really mean that. Thank you. No, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, I love being connected, right? It's yes. all kind of a web of connection. Yeah. And I think that's what we're trying to bring to life. When we talk about community, when we talk about, you know, getting these artists out there, that's that web coming to fruition. Absolutely. Now, part of your web, part of your network, part of your community are the teachers and mentors that you've had. You've mentioned Michelle as one of them. Mm -hmm. Who are your other teachers and mentors? Um. Well, recently we had a little get together uh, to celebrate the best of beauty and Michaela Angela Davis is someone oh, I've been working with a lot lately. Yes. Nice. She came to the party and I thought we were both going to cry. I was like, oh. you know, she has been just so supportive. Oh. You know, she calls me and is like, what do you need? And yes. You know, I think as someone who has been in this industry for as long as she has and seen the time that, you know, I've benefited from all the work that she's done. Yes. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't be editor-in-chief today if there weren't people like her out there oh. working and writing years before I got here. So I think that type of support and um, just always being down to write and honestly make me look good when I like, you know, I got Michaela Angel Davis to write so and so and That's so. Right. Like, oh, That's she right. She's making me look good. <laughs> I love Michaela. She's a friend. Um, I'm not yes. a writer, so I haven't written with her. And um she isn't she beautiful? I mean just inside yes. and out. Such a good she's spirit. A, such a good so stunning and and serious about her work. Like she's serious. Mm -hmm. She's so good. Yes. I, I'm glad that she is a mentor and a friend to you as well. <sighs> That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So what are your aspirations? You've accomplished so much so far, and I know you have more to do. So can you give us a sneak peek of what's next for you? Not that you're not going to love being in the present moment and enjoying your editorial yes. job. I'm just saying. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, I think I have been so blessed to rise in this industry so much quicker than I thought I would. And... Um, <laughs> I'm so in awe of how this industry has changed mm. <laughs> since the first day I became an intern to my first job to even now. And I'm so excited about the things I'm going to learn about business while yes. I'm at our chief of allure, because like I said before, we have a box, we have a store, we have the magazine, we have the seal. There are so many pieces to that. Yeah. And so I'm inspired um, just watching and learning and listening you know I think people think my day is spent dictating but it's not <laughs> I mostly just listen and um, absorb all the information I can and 
I'm just excited to see what we're going to do. I got my sleeves rolled up and uh, I'm ready to get to work on Allure. And honestly, I can't think past February issue at this point. I know, I know it. <laughs> I'm just trying to get through uh, the next few months. And then what's next? That'll, it's who knows. Who knows? It's wide open. Yeah. So how, how do you measure your success? Do you would, stop to measure your success? <laughs> I am not very good at that, I will say. Um, I'm definitely a head down forward kind of person. Uh, but I will say that lately I have been, it's really important for me to look up. And, mm. you know, I think for me, when I first got this job and it was announced, I actually immediately like went and on vacation, like, <laughs> I went on vacation for a week and that was just so necessary. Mm -hmm. It was so nice to sit by the beach and journal mm. and goal set and ride bikes and do yoga and all those things. I went by myself. It was a solo trip. And sometimes those are the best. Yeah. I just felt like this is the fact that I was able to do this, you mm -hmm. know, I'm able to, put down my phone for a week. I extended my trip for a couple of days. You know, I'm able to just take this break and be with myself and listen to my own thoughts. I felt really like this is what I do this for, you know, yeah. is to be able to really pour into myself so that I can be the best boss and leader that I could possibly be. Cause I think that's what we often forget when we rise mm -hmm. is that, you know, you have to slow down and stop occasionally to pour back into yourself instead of pouring into other people. Well, you are blessed. And so <laughs> am I for having you on this podcast. Again, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to part one of the Forever Fab podcast with my fabulous guest, Jessica Cruel. Stay tuned for part two. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.